0: This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Dancing, as always. And, uh,. We've got a lot to get into this is this has to be the busiest summer of sports that I can remember It's uh you know the the sun's going on that run it's over and all of a sudden you've got training camp starting the Cardinals first preseason game is this Friday and mixed in there of course, you've got the Olympics, you've got summer league basketball, you've got the major league baseball trade deadline, the NBA draft it has just been insanity in a good way. And, you know, for a lot of people, football gets here for real when that first preseason game kicks off. And I get that there was a Hall of Fame game last week, and we'll get a little bit into that as well. But uh, for the Cardinals, the first game is Friday against the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, are the Hard Knocks team. So we're going to see the Cardinals on, I would guess, what would that be, episode two of hard knocks i think episode one is tomorrow
2: probably episode two yeah because episode one is tomorrow and they'll do the recap of that wonderful hall of fame game
1: (laughs) did you watch that luke i i did i told myself i wasn't going to watch much of it and then i didn't watch the whole thing but i watched a good chunk of the first quarter
2: it was some cruddy football
1: yeah i wanted to see how Najee harris looked and you can only take so much from a preseason game But I did, yeah, the, the Hall of Fame game I mean, it's great The Hall. Of, I watched more of the Hall of Fame induction yesterday How about that, than I did of the actual game
2: I looked at the videos on Instagram That
1: the NFL posted Gives <laughs> me a little snippet of, of the good stuff <laughs> You get your highlights four seconds at a time Such a Gen Z-er. <laughs> uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked Today, do you plan on playing Your starting quarterback Friday against Dallas? I'm
3: playing
4: Kyler at all Friday night?
1: I do Yes. Uh, Short and enlightening. Yeah, (laughs) but hey, look. I mean, he did. He got the point across. I would rather he gives us a a two-word answer that gives us a definitive answer than you know some coaches will just talk and talk and talk and give you uh, nothing. Also, an injury update from Cliff Kingsbury today. Christian Kirk
5: should be back. Um, I think there may be another. I'm not not coming to me right now.
1: Not AJ. No. Uh, also from Cliff Kingsbury, what are you looking for in preseason game number one? Now that it is this week,
5: yeah, really um, want to get some of the new pieces working with with some of the veteran guys that have been in this offense. Uh, have a new center, you know, have some new wideouts, have some new DBs, young linebackers, things, you know, new D lineman. Um, really to get those guys meshing, just get a feel for each other, the speed of the game, um, and kind of go from
1: there. Okay, so just three preseason games this year for the Cardinals. Remember, it got shortened by one. I still think they really probably only need two. Uh, I know DJ Humphreys was on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. They asked him how he felt about the preseason. He was like, how about you ask me off the air? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure most veteran players don't feel like they need any. I, I could certainly, I could see, I definitely see the value in one. Uh, and, and you could talk me into two. Three still seems like a little bit much. But uh, but either way, uh, it's not like I'm not going to watch the games. It, it at least gives us a little bit of insight to uh, to some of the depth guys on this team. And honestly... Some of the position battles, you know, those those typically play out during camp. They don't play out as much during the actual preseason games. That uh, as much as we maybe believe they do, but I want to see how these receivers look because to me that's the biggest position battle to watch with this team. Kingsbury said there's not really one specific position battle he's looking at.
5: I, I wouldn't say there's one in particular. I mean, there's like I said, we run out in a lot of competition. I Feel like we drafted some um, quality players that have worked hard that rookie class really worked hard been on top of everything and so anxious to just watch the preseason and see how it plays out
1: yeah i want to get one more here from cliff talking about how much he's going to play his starters over these three games
5: we're still working through that we're going to take it one game at a time and reevaluate and go from there um see what type of work we get not exactly sure uh, how much those guys will play um the first one but i would expect most guys to get at least some action
1: Cardinals have Dallas Friday, they have Kansas City next Friday, and then New Orleans the following Saturday, August 28th. He just he dropped a, we're going to take it one game at a time, and we haven't even played one preseason game yet. That's got to be the earliest any coach has dropped that this year. I don't know. I, Dan Campbell for the uh, Lions probably dropped it multiple times. I, I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of uh, cliches from Dan Campbell. I've heard him talking about that how he wants true. to release live jungle animals on the field. Didn't he want to bite someone's kneecaps? Too? What do you mean wanted to? I'm sure he still does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's how he goes through life. All right, so we'll get more into the Cardinals right now, though. It is time for the Rapid Reaction.
0: The Rundown rapid reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories.
1: To start with the Suns, a story that Gambo's been all over for a while now. Alfred Payton is agreeing to a one-year deal with the Suns, and uh, Gambo says it's going to be for the veteran minimum. So the Suns add some depth. It's not like you're looking at Alfred Payton and saying, okay, that guy's going to he's going to play a big role if the Suns get back to the title. He's going to be playing huge minutes in the playoffs. Uh, ideally he won't be but you do need those depth guys to especially next year shorter off season longer regular season and the Suns coming off the uh the run to the title you may want to manage Chris Paul's minutes I don't know if you're going to manage Devin Booker's I don't know if he'll let you I don't know if Chris Paul will let you either but uh but at least a little bit more depth there a guy that is familiar to Suns fans a little bit it's not like he played here for a long time uh but also he didn't he played here a few years ago which feels like 100 years ago right now with the Phoenix Suns. Also with the Suns, they played their summer league opener last night and uh, lost to the Lakers 73-72. Jalen Smith, though, a double-double. That's really all you're – I don't want to say it's all you're paying attention to, but in terms of impact players for next year, that's clearly the the, the main guy that you're looking at if you're a Suns fan. And uh, some of the fans in attendance last night were James Jones, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. I give Devin Booker a ton of credit getting there not just because he's obviously a star player in this league he doesn't have to go watch the the rookies and and a lot of guys that may never play in the NBA but I'll switch to our next topic he also just played in the gold medal game at the Olympics less than 48 hours earlier so Jesse you asked me this before the show does Devin Booker have any concept of time I would say at this point uh, no how could he
2: aren't they like 14 hours ahead in Japan I thought they were 16 maybe it was it's some it's some you know vast amount of time difference and he's just back at the Summer League, just back on, you know, I guess they're on Pacific time right now, just back on Pacific time. Like,
1: he's just okay with that? I, I think he's a time traveler. I mean, Look, I think it's great whether he, even if he lived in Vegas, I would think it was great that he showed up to watch the Summer League games because you don't have to do that. Uh, and it's it's not like Devin Booker was like, okay, I'm done in Tokyo. We want to go, I have to go party in Vegas. Like, it wasn't that. he He and a lot of his teammates were there to watch the uh, the next generation, next wave of potential Suns players. Again, it's probably only going to be one, maybe two guys off that team. But still, that, that's that sort of team unity that the Suns had during the regular season in the playoffs last year. Not something I'm saying no other team has, but not a lot of teams have it. And they're still taking it seriously. And Booker in, in particular, I mean, I don't even know if he stayed in Tokyo to celebrate. You know, they won on Friday night. He was back... He was at the game last night. So, again, that's less than 48 hours.
2: Yeah, and the, the men's team was at the women's gold medal game on Saturday night. Um, so I don't know if that, which was, I guess, Sunday afternoon.
1: So he must have not been there. Or there's two Devin Bookers. But if that's the case, we could have used both of them in game five against the Bucks uh, for sure. Uh, also, ASU football is starting up September 2nd. I want to get excited about it. I'm sure I will get more excited about it. We're going to hear from uh, Stuart Mandel later on in the show, get his thoughts on on the Pac-12 in general. But ASU uh, puts two more assistants on paid leave: Prentice Gill and Chris Hawkins on paid leave. So That's three assistants now, I believe, on paid leave as the school deals with the NCAA investigation. You know, I heard Burns and Gambo talking about this when I was uh, when I was here earlier, and you know they brought up the point that. <laughs> I mean, hey, he hasn't been to Rose Bowl in forever, and this is a team that could do it. Now, whether you know whether they pull it off or not remains to be seen. We've talked about this in the past, and they haven't. But in terms of just raw talent, top to bottom, we'll get more into this, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But I mean, that running back group looked amazing last year with Rashad White and uh, Trip try them and you you have Jaden daniels you've got okay receivers at least i mean with some upside the defense should be loaded this is a team that we should be absolutely hyped about and yet here we are still talking about assistants going on paid leave and all this other stuff and yeah it's it's frustrating
2: in my opinion the problem with this whole situation and I, i i love how herm edwards has tried to help you know young coaches get in but when you put too many young coaches on one staff it's kind of a recipe for a disaster and that's kind of what happened here with these three assistant coaches that they put on paid administrative leave they're all like 30 years old and younger if I am am right uh, and just you know too much power I think in two young guys
1: uh, we'll see we'll see how it plays out but certainly this should be a time to, uh, to celebrate this upcoming season and now it's you know we still we still can if the season goes the way uh, it, it really potentially could but right now I just there's there's all the buzz around the team is kind of tempered by that like that worry of like if they do something amazing is it going to retroactively get taken away is is this kind of the team's last dance here for a little bit and they're going to have to deal with other things or is this stuff all just going to kind of blow over and it is just going to be a couple uh, assistants that uh that, that get in trouble no way to know yet but uh Certainly something to keep an eye on because this is a team that should have pretty high expectations for this season. When we come back. I want to get back into the Suns, the summer league. What does uh, James Jones want to see from this group that's playing in Vegas, specifically Jalen Smith? That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Live and local with Luke Lipinski on the rundown 98-7 FM Arizona's sports station.
1: Well, we got our first look at the Suns summer league team last night in Vegas. The results of the actual games don't really matter. Certainly I'm going to say that since the Lakers won 73-72. So yes, I will I will absolutely diminish. The importance of the uh, the final result. Maybe I wouldn't have done that if the Suns had won, but you know, we'll never know. Jalen Smith though, 15 points, 12 rebounds, and looked good doing it. Uh, you know, it's he's he's going to be a work in progress. It's uh, it's easy to jump on him and be like, "Hey man, where were you last year?" Like this team went to the NBA Finals and we never really saw Jalen Smith. But um, you know, it's they didn't need Jalen Smith last year. They might need him this upcoming year. So, you know, first round pick, you're always going to be scrutinized based on the players after you. And last year in particular, I mean, I, like a lot of people, wanted Tyrese Halliburton, didn't think he'd be there when the Suns got a chance to pick. He was. He actually kept dropping quite a bit after that. They took Jalen Smith. So he's going to be compared to Tyrese Halliburton. He just is because a lot of people wanted him. And it's, you know, it's tougher when it's like when in the moment people want. The team to take somebody and they take you. It's a little bit different when it's just like hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, we could have had whoever, <laughs> and, and but nobody wanted that guy on draft night. Like quickly from the Knicks, like no, okay, nobody wanted him on draft night. So it's a little bit tougher, a little more pressure maybe on Jalen Smith. He, he gets scrutinized a little bit more, but at the end of the day, he is a a a first round pick, but a rookie on a team that that didn't necessarily need him last season. Uh, he was dealing with COVID issues, injuries early in the season. Sometimes it takes guys a year or two to really get going. And if he can play a role, even if it's a small one, if he, can just, if he can be efficient at it next year, that could really help this team. Because you look at the Suns, and at least for me, I see a team that obviously went to the NBA Finals, was up 2-0, ultimately lost 4-2. I don't know that there's a lot you could have done to stop Giannis once he got rolling. So I don't know that there's a lot of changes you would have wanted to make anyway. You're two wins away from the title and your core of, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, Devin Booker, even to, to a certain extent, still Cam Johnson, all these guys should still be getting better. The Suns' best chance to get better is internal growth. Like you add JaVale McGee and that's awesome, but you know, your best chance to improve on what you were last year comes from that core of Ayton and and even Booker. I keep throwing Booker in there because he keeps getting better. Uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson. Jalen Smith's another one. Not like he's an established guy that's suddenly going to become amazing, but if he can become a viable option, they can move around from the four and the five and and give a guy like Aiton some, uh, some, some rest in some of the games and kind of... You know, just there's going to be nights where Aiton gets into foul trouble. There's, and we can move Aiton or uh, Jalen Smith rather up to the four or two. I mean, you can, you can move him all over the place if he's, if he's, uh, if he's polished enough. But it's, it's tough for a rookie because, like, on the one hand, or now a second year player, you want to go out there and contribute because you were a top 10 pick, but you're also on a team that just went to the NBA title. So if you're not contributing, if you're not being effective in your limited minutes, you're not going to play very much because obviously the Suns now have, have a, uh, a very raised bar for what they are expecting this upcoming season. James Jones was asked, what is he expecting from Jalen Smith in the Summer League? To compete and play hard. This is the NBA. Um, this, this is a league filled
6: with the best players in the world. And uh, the only way... Um, you get opportunities, as you have to compete and earn it. And, you know, for him, he stepped on the court uh, with a team that was primed uh, for playoff basketball. We had a deep run, and uh, as a rookie, um, his learning curve was really, really steep. But we're excited about what he's done so far this summer, and, and I'm just looking at this as an opportunity for him to play. He didn't have summer league last year. He didn't play much with us last year. So now he gets a chance to show everyone uh, how much work he's put in.
1: And I think that's the important thing. Like, Jalen Smith may ultimately – Just be an okay player, or he, you know, who knows? There may be players that got drafted behind him that are that are legitimately better than him. But I don't think we know anything yet. With no summer league last year, with the weird start to the season, with his own individual uh, tough start to the season, with the injuries and and the COVID stuff, and being a rookie on a team that suddenly was very good, I just don't think we really know anything about Jalen Smith yet, other than you know what we saw in college. What we saw in flashes, like very small flashes in very limited playing time with the Suns last year. I think we start to find out. It almost feels like his career is starting basically last night with the Suns. And they do play against tonight. They play the, uh, the Jazz at 7 o'clock. So I can keep an eye on that. More from James Jones. This is why you have to throw Booker into that core of young players that are still getting better because... Even the GM believes, yeah, he's just getting going. Well, I tell people
6: Devin's just getting started. You know, they didn't get a chance to see him play at a high level. Um, the team, you know, we we had our struggles as a franchise, and, and a lot of times he was a guy that was taken for granted. But he stepped up his game on both ends of the floor. You know, I was I was thrilled seeing him compete defensively uh, in Tokyo uh, because that's a side of his game or part of his game that people
1: uh, will, will consider underrated. Yeah, we'll uh, hopefully be able to get into that a little bit later on, too. Just what that experience does for Devin Booker, winning a gold medal. We joke about the fact he wins the gold medal on Friday night. Somehow he's here in the U.S. at a Sun Summer League game on Sunday night. But I do think that there is value to uh, going and having that experience. As, As great as Devin Booker has been, we've never got to see him win anything. Like, we got to see him win important playoff series for the first time this past season. That was all within the last couple months. And now you look at the last couple months, you see Devin Booker make the playoffs for the first time. You see him win a playoff series for the first time. You see him go to the NBA Finals for the first time. But he doesn't get to win the title, and yet, and it's, it's not the same, but at least a couple weeks later, he's winning gold on a team with Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday and some of these other guys at the Olympics, like that is still winning and, and they had some adversity. I mean, he wasn't there for the uh, the preliminary losses, but, you know, the loss in the opener to France, France made it tough even on Friday. They had I mean, the U.S. had some games where they were down by like, like double digits and they came back to one or to win, rather. So you get uh, you get that experience of playing on a team where you're not the guy, which we've never really seen from Devin Booker in his NBA career. He's always had to be the guy. And we got to see Devin Booker fill other roles for Team USA, and be a big part of why they won. I know he didn't have like an amazing stat line in the gold medal game, but he was clearly one of their three best players to get them to that game. And, um, and so I think that experience, I mean, obviously, if anything... It's uh, it's going to make him better. One more from James Jones. He was asked where they stand with DeAndre Ayton's contract. He's our defensive anchor. He's our interior anchor, and and I thought throughout the playoffs,
6: especially early, he was our best player. Um, We know Chris was out for some games. You know, Devin had a couple off nights, but early and consistently, DeAndre was the most impactful player on the court. So um, I'm excited for his growth, and uh, we're looking forward to him taking another step next season.
1: It'll be interesting to see. If he gets uh, an extension this summer, Luca got the Supermax rookie extension. Five years, $207 million. That was uh, earlier today. Well, some quick NFL notes. We mentioned the Hall of Fame induction ceremony was last night. I don't usually watch a ton of it, Jesse, but I did watch last night. I wanted to see Peyton because he's always interesting with his speeches. It was cool to see Edger and James there in the Hall of Fame jacket. That was my favorite yeah. part
2: his speech. I think that was on Saturday night because they inducted two classes. Yeah, this week and Edger and James had said some powerful, powerful stuff. And it was just you know it was cool to see a Cardinals player go in. You know because if if you remember right, he was just amazing on that run of the Super Bowl. Like they oh, were, yeah. he was basically benched in the regular season for Tim Hightower, and then they brought him in again in the playoffs and he was like turn back the clock old edger and james again just for that you know those whatever four games and it was it was very fun to watch
1: anyway, absolutely i mean you're talking about a guy that had a monster career obviously because he went in the hall of fame he was an absolute beast with the colts for all those years some of them with peyton manning and then yeah a couple uh, good seasons with the cardinals we'll forget that season with seattle and we'll just pretend that never happened um also around the nfl We're getting closer to fantasy football drafts. So I feel obliged to pass along the news that Saquon Barkley is off the pup list in New York. He's hopeful that he will play in the opener for the Giants, but that was a guy that was, what, probably the number two pick, number three pick in most drafts last year. Really the only exciting reason to watch the Giants. And he just got beat up so much early last season. And then if you remember the play where he got hurt and ended up being done for the year, it also looked like he got hit and was done for the year, the play before. So he's one of the most explosive, exciting players in the NFL, even if the Giants aren't an explosive or exciting team. They do fight with each other in practice, so that's, that's I guess, at least entertaining. That was the best thing that's come from training camp so far. Pile on top of their own starting quarterback, too. You heard too. that a guy retired, right? Yeah, and nothing surprises <laughs> me. <laughs> Joe Judge is just quite the coach. Uh, he wasn't happy after that one. So, keep an eye on that and uh Deshaun Watson practicing again with Houston. That is just a strange strange situation that I don't think we're going to see any sort of resolution or answers there anytime soon, but uh, How can he play? I I don't how? Think, I don't think he can, How right? can he
2: play? Like how is he not on the commissioner's exempt list?
1: I, I have it just doesn't think think make
2: any sense to me.
1: Get there, I don't know. It's 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 been a weird story for a few months now and there's really hasn't been any sort of even like Steps towards closure. I know when you get the legal process involved, it's, everything takes a lot, uh, a lot longer, but, but still. All right, we come back. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip from DJ Humphreys. Always the, uh, the best soundbites on the Arizona Cardinals. It's been that way for a while. Who was I talking to last week? Max Williams. And it was the day that the, um, the news came out that, that Larry Fitzgerald and Tom Brady were doing a radio show together. So I asked Max Williams, like, okay, who would you want to do a radio show with on this team? And no hesitation. He said it's got to be DJ Humphreys. And that's everybody's answer to any any question, even remotely like that. And also, if I was doing a radio show with anybody in the Cardinals, it would be DJ Humphreys. He's always got something to say. We'll hear from him next. It is the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs>
0: FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right,
1: welcome back to the show. DJ Humphreys was on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. They were out there at State Farm Stadium. Like I said, anytime DJ Humphreys speaks, he is at the top of the list of Cardinals that you want to hear from, just because he's always entertaining. Um, Of course, we put all the uh, interviews up on ArizonaSports.com. Here's a part of that interview right now.
3: Practice just wrapped up for the day live from State Farm Stadium as the Arizona Cardinals getting ready for their preseason opener coming up on Friday against the Dallas Cowboys. Cardinals are always really good to us when we're out here, and we appreciate them. Letting us have a conversation with DJ Humphreys, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're upstairs in the press box. He's downstairs, just off of the practice field, and he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. DJ, man, how you
7: doing? Thanks for coming hey, back hey, on hey, the show. I'm good. how y'all doing, man? man? Last time I saw DJ, we were uh, we were all walking in together, him and uh, him and Justin. We're going to the Suns game, going to check out the Phoenix yeah. Suns in the playoffs, and uh, we ran into each other as we were walking in. You enjoy that Suns run,
8: man? Boy, did a uh, that night was that was that was probably one of the the funnest fan experiences I've ever had it's it's a pretty rarity that I get to be a fan in athletic settings and that was like the first time I can recall it being that type of environment and being in there man that was crazy
3: I I know a a bunch of the guys on the Cardinals have been asked this but I want to ask you how given what they did talking about the Suns now it, was it an inspiration? Or are you trying to kind of mimic their success this year? Is that something that I, I know? There's a lot of basketball fans on the Cardinals team. Do you do you guys kind of look to them as hey, if they did it, we can do it, sort of thing?
8: Uh, I don't know about I don't know about that injury. Like you know, if they can do it, we can do it. Those boys put that hard work in to get to where they wanted to. You know, what I mean, they didn't just fall into into that. But it, it definitely was inspiring to watch. You know, to watch those guys uh, go from what they were considered in the NFL and then watching them. You know, what I mean, go to the finals. That was that was definitely impressive to watch. I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. I'm a Carolina guy, you know what I mean. So seeing him come to town and and
3: change the organization, that was huge to see. Okay, so was that – we were up here in the press box watching – was that you leading a happy birthday sing along for Cliff Kingsbury at yes. the end of that practice? <laughs> yes, we
8: made the rookies. We made the rookie sing happy birthday to coach at the end of practice.
3: <laughs> so how does coach like twenty eight years old? Something yeah, we're, like that, we're right? Pretty
8: much the same. Me and coach are pretty much the same, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, let
3: right,
7: let's let's start with a couple of different things. There's a lot of talk about the rookie Josh Jones. I, I heard a bunch of guys. I think even you talking about him. I mean, uh, you know, making that switch. He's going from you know maybe tackle to guard uh, with a couple of guys out right now. I mean, what's What's it, what what's it, what's it look like with him so far
8: it's been fun to watch you know Josh is J- Josh is a high en- energy guy and uh he, he takes everything in stride. You know what I mean? He didn't poke his lip out one time. to asked him to move the guard. He was fired up and ready to move right in and, and, and do what he needed to do to handle that role. And that's always awesome to see coming from a young guy. You know, he, he, no ego in, involved at all. Just whatever he needs to do to help the team, he's willing to do it. So it's been fun to watch it. fun to watch him take it seriously and get better at it every day, too.
7: Did I hear you say, like, it's, it's going from, like, riding with your left hand to riding with your right hand?
8: Yeah, that's just moving from left tackle to right tackle. So I don't know what it feels like to even move from left tackle to right tackle, then inside to right right guard that's something that's completely different i can't even exp- explain that that feeling for you i haven't ever i've never had to go inside the box like that so i don't know it, it's different in that phone booth man i can tell you that though <laughs> yeah
7: you like having that tight end lined man, up on those i like having the a little space
8: you, you know I like, I like having a little space that tight end he might he might start right there but for the most part he's gonna get out of the way and give me some space i, I got pretty much from the hash to the sideline to myself you know what i mean so it's, it's definitely different in that phone booth though
3: Josh Miles is another guy who got a lot of attention over the weekend, a lot of conversation from Sean Coogler. He might end up being your backup at left tackle. What have you seen out of him so far in camp, DJ? Man,
8: Josh has come to work every day and just tried his ass off. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that he's just been busting his butt every day, trying to get better. Everything that's, that's been coached to him, he's taking it in stride and going out there and really trying and putting the effort and the technique on, on, on film that everybody wants to see him do. He's got so much talent, man. Such a big, long. Kids, you know what I mean, and, and, and so much just raw talent. Watching him, it, it finally clicked for him. With a lot of stuff with, it, involving football, it's fun to watch, man, because he's just out there, you know, playing a child's game with it. You know, he's still having, he's having fun. It, it hasn't become a job to him, so it's so fun to see him just go out there and, and be free and, and, and try stuff and, and watch the look on his face when it works for him. And now he knows how to do it the right way. You know, yeah, that's awesome to watch.
3: T.J. Humphreys, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, live from Cardinals training camp. We've talked about him like he's one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. You get to be. Coached by him every single day, is he one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL? Mm-hmm. What does what that? What does that mean when you're talking about Sean Coogler? No
8: question. I mean, I just think about you know, I mean, the, the the relationship that me and him has had over these last three years and how much we've grown uh, together and how much he's helped me grow into a better player. Man, this, I, I, I owe a lot. To Coach Coogs, man, I, I I can say it every day, honestly. And, and every day we go out there, and he treats me. I make sure he treats me like I'm a young pup still. If I do something wrong, I'm doing it again. You know what I mean? I, I'm not playing none of that. You the big dog in the room. You know you will get it on Sunday stuff. No, nah, if I get it, he know if I get it wrong, we are finna line up and I'm finna do it again. And he holding me to that standard. And just it's been like that since he got here. So it's it, I can tell you from personal experience, man, it's it's, it's hard to replicate what Coogs has done for this organization.
7: Yeah, I think he, you know. Let's let's talk about the discipline part of it too. I know you guys want to cut down on those penalties. I think I saw a few times that somebody has a, a false start penalty and they go off the field for a play. Yeah. What are some of the things you're trying to do as an offensive line to cut down on those 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 drive-killing penalties?
8: Man, uh, just uh, honestly locking in on the to the detail, and, and nobody wants to be the guy that's got to run out of uh, the middle of the drill because you jumped off sides for one. And uh, I think we're just trying to hone in on it, man, and, and stay locked in on it. It's something, that, you know, we, we do so much, so much, so many different cadences and stuff. It's just something that we have to focus on and lock in on. I think we are. We're getting better at it. We just got to keep working it, and keep working it.
7: This year, three preseason games. Last year, none. The year before, four. I mean, we're all trying to figure out, like, what. How is this going to play out? Is the third preseason game kind of be kind of be like the fourth a couple of years ago? What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on how much the veterans should play in these three preseason games?
8: Man, uh, ask me that off the mic. No, I'm just kidding.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you a McVay type of guy? Like, hey, man, the veterans shouldn't play at all?
8: Hey, man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a do-what-I'm-told type of guy. You know what I mean? If they tell me I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play a whole preseason game, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play a whole preseason game, and I'm going to be excited to do it um i don't have i don't really have any emotions about it you know we get played to we get we get paid to play a sport that we love so whether or not it's preseason or regular season, how much ever they told me I'm going to go out there, I'm going to go out there and go play a high level. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of my attitude on it because you never know. You never know what it's going to be. You never know the situation. This guy goes down. We need to just, you know what I mean? You never know the the situations. So all like going into it with the mindset like, hey, if I got to play a full game right now, I can.
3: You know? Yeah, exactly. DJ Humphreys, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show, the starting left tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. Great conversation as always. Let's talk about Rodney Hudson a little bit. And, man, we, we talk about additions to this team. Team, this organization, this franchise, what was what was your reaction when you knew he was going to be a linemate of yours, and what has it been like for you and for him to have him on that offensive line, and kind of what it's meant in bringing everybody together?
8: Man, it was it was huge for me when I saw it. Just having so much respect for Rodney, uh, just watching him play. You know what I mean, and, and knowing who he is as a player, and then having the opportunity to play on the team with him, man, it, 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 it's been exciting for me. Uh, it's been even more exciting just being in there and watching him how he works and how he plays, and and how much he how how good he is at ad libbing and getting us in the right spot while he's still trying to figure stuff out. You know what I mean? That's impressive for me just watching guys have such a strong hold on the office in such a short time, and even seeing him still having stuff that he needs to work on as far as like the mental side of it, but still being able to. to get get us in the right places you know what i mean as a unit that's so it's so big we got that guy like that with that type of veteran leadership we've, it just knows the game
3: yeah we've been so happy to watch your kind of growth since you were drafted a few years ago do you feel like you've evolved and matured into one of the best left tackles in the game and if you do do you think you're recognized for that dj
8: uh i think i i think i have um but i just think that's solely just because of me uh, how I focus and how I'm, I'm my thought process is go out and if you want to be the best you got to beat the best and I have opportunity to play in a lot of the best players in the NFL week in and week out so I, I just try to stay focused on what the task is at hand uh, it's, it's up to you guys and, and, and the fans to say who's the best and who's not you know we'll sit here argue to we blew in the face about who's the best because everybody got a different opinion about it so I like to just go out there and focus on whatever my task is and block that in for the most part hey if you, you don't tell me what to do I'm going to block that in you know what I mean? I just try to stay focused on that, and let the, let the chips fall they may, and Let the people say what they're going to say, you know.
7: Look, I think it speaks for itself, man. I mean, every year you pencil you in at left tackle and you do a great job. So that speaks for itself. You're getting paid to play a game that you love and uh, you know they rewarded you with a great contract and you're the left tackle every year and we don't even think about that position of having to replace it because of how well you played. Let me ask you about the offense. How di- is this the most dynamic offense with Rondell and then you've got A.J. Green, you've got Hop, you've got Chase, you've got Connor. Is this the most dynamic offense you've been a- part of since you've been here?
8: Definitely. When you look at it on paper, man, it's it's electric to see all those names listed across the board. You know what I mean? Like, thinking about having Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner in the backfield. You know, and you, you they're thinking about the threat that D-Hop is their receiver, and then thinking about that you got AJ Green on the opposite side. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. Christian Kirk, you put Christian Kirk in there, and you, you, you know you Keyshawn, and then you sprinkle Rundell in there. It's like, what are you defense is going to have to make a decision with a lot of these guys, and and, and you also you have to respect that backfield. So it, it, it's become one of those things where it's like you know the offensive line, we got to make sure we're going out there and getting those guys an opportunity to, to be in a position to, to make plays for sure.
1: That was DJ Humphreys on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. Let's get into the Olympics real quick since they did wrap up yesterday. And, uh, and Jesse, I'll bring you in here for this one, too. I mean, there was—I like the Olympics a lot. I do like the winter more than the summer, but I do like the summer a lot. It felt like with everything going on and no crowds at the at the events, it did feel like something was missing this year, didn't it? Like, I just— there were some stories, but I feel I like I loved it. I was all in. Really,
2: like, I, you know, honestly, the the fans, no fans thing, the Olympics. If I don't know done, if that
1: was it. It just felt different. If
2: you ever, yeah, it did feel different just because of the, like the masks and the COVID protocols. But we've been, I've gotten used to all that stuff over the past year or whatever. And you know, I still thought the storylines were there. Like, I mean, the swimming was phenomenal. Caleb Dressel and um, Bobby Fink. I don't know if you watched him, and um, yeah, the, I mean the Simone Biles storyline was interesting, and I, lo- you know, I loved watching the U.S. men's and women's basketball teams because you know they they both had their struggles, which normally doesn't happen with United States basketball, and it was nice to watch them win the gold medal. So you know, honestly, and and the fans are just always kind of away at a at an Olympic event, like they're 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 not like close up to the court or whatever, like they are, you know, a lot of you know, settings. So I I was thoroughly in, enthralled and I didn't think I would be, but I was.
1: Yeah, I just, I guess I maybe didn't get as caught up in the stories that I always do. Like I always let myself get caught up in the in the, the stories of the Olympics. And Like the Simone Biles one, like you said, was interesting, but also kind of tough. And like, I think a lot of people were expecting her to be the face of the Olympics for the U.S. And maybe she still was, but, you know, certainly not like she was uh, five years ago. And I don't blame her for that, but I'm just saying like, it, it felt like, there were some, but some, in some Olympics, it feels like there's just great story after great story. And I'm not even saying they weren't there. They just, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was spread out over like nine different platforms. And maybe it's because I wasn't able to watch as much at night. I was watching a lot during the day when I was here. So I was getting all the like random events, which I do like a lot. And the summer has more of those than the winter. But I guess where I'm going with, with this is, to me, And you just touched on it. The men's and women's basketball was really the main story for the U.S. And it's it's always a big deal. Maybe it was a bigger deal this year because you have technically two sons on the men's team now with JaVale McGee, too. You had three members of the Phoenix Mercury on the women's team. They both won gold. Like you said, it wasn't it was at times a dominant performance, but it wasn't as. There was more drama than there usually is. Sometimes it's just like oh yeah US men's basketball or women's basketball they win by so much you don't even have to really watch. This year you had some suns, you had some mercury, I mean you always do with Tarazi winning her fifth gold medal. That was that was one of the main storylines to me. But um all in all good, but it just it, it wasn't I don't know for some reason it was lacking like what it what it had in 2016. And maybe maybe that's just just my impression. I don't know. All right, when we come back Hard Knocks starts tomorrow. The Dallas Cowboys are the team. We're each going to give you five teams that would be a lot more interesting than the Dallas Cowboys. Which teams have the top storylines in training camp heading into the preseason? That's next. It's The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you a very good guy in 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports
1: all right this music of course means it's time for a top five either best or worst and tonight jesse and i are on the same side we're both going to go top five so the genesis of this one is as i said heading into the break hard knocks begins tomorrow it's the dallas cowboys let's be clear i'm going to watch it Hard Knocks is one of my favorite shows.
2: It is my single favorite show of all time, including, like, The Office, Parks, and Rec shows. Really oh, wow. Liked, like that, Even that. sitcoms. Her. Like, I sit there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. It, and it's produced very well.
1: It's done so well. that, As I've said in the past, I would watch if they were talking about a Rec League softball team. I would still watch just because of the way they do it. Gatos' team. Yes, I would absolutely watch <laughs> Hard Knocks, Gatos' team. Uh, I don't know why, I mean, I do know why they picked the Cowboys. This is the third time the Cowboys are on. Look, like I said, I'm going to watch, but there are other teams with much more compelling storylines. And I got into this with Jared Carlin a lot last week. Of uh, you know, he was like, look, everybody, Dallas is still a, a, a team that moves the ratings. I think we're at this point with Hard Knocks where they could show any team and people would watch. I don't think more people are tuning in because it's the Cowboys. Maybe I'm wrong. But either way, Jesse and I are each going to give you our top five teams we'd rather see on Hard Knocks than Dallas. And Jesse, I will let you go first with number five.
2: Uh, The team that, you know, I root for is the Washington football team. And so, you know, I think Ron Rivera is, you know, Riverboat Ron. He's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, You've got some interesting vaccine storylines with my team. So yeah, Washington football team is my number five. I, th-
1: I thought about them. I got to say, when I made my list, I, t- I told you before the show, I think I'd come up with about 31 teams I, I want to see more than Dallas. But realistically, I had about a dozen and had a really hard time trimming it down to five. Washington was one of the teams I I trimmed off. Uh, My number five team is New Orleans. I understand New Orleans in the playoffs. Uh, We're throwing out all the restrictions of like, they don't have to be in because they were in the playoffs last year. I think New Orleans is compelling because you have a team that has Super Bowl aspirations and Super Bowl talent but doesn't really have a quarterback yet. So... I'm going to put New Orleans at number five because I think for that storyline alone, it would be really interesting. I'll go with the Saints.
2: All right. My number four is Green Bay. I mean, they've had so many interesting storylines this offseason. You know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers demanded a trade and then is back now. And you had some issues with Devontae Adams and him not really wanting to be there past maybe this season. And then, you know, just Matt LaFour is a young coach and green bay is just an interesting place to go and do like journalism and if you cu- count hard knocks as journalism like you know they could do stuff on how you know the town really is just basically the packers and that's it because like you know there
1: i don't know if you know this but the town just shuts completely down when there's a packers game yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that tends to be how it works there Um, Green Bay was another team I had on my list. I ended up cutting just because I think I have Aaron Rodgers fatigue, but you're right. There's a lot of storylines there. It certainly would be a fun one to watch. I'm going back and forth on my number four one, and I'm actually going to switch it to Buffalo, uh, just because you could do some of those storylines. You know how they always kind of go out in the community during hard knocks and get a couple storylines either with fans or just, you, you could make the fan base a character on the show. In addition to the fact that the Bills might win the Super Bowl this year, Josh Allen just got a quarter of a billion dollars. They, you know, Stephon Diggs got some personality. They've got they, they've got some personalities on that team, and, and I think when you factor in the, just the craziness of that fan base, especially now when they're all riled up because they think they might win the Super Bowl finally, either this year or next year or whatever, I think that would be a really, uh, really fun team too. All right, my number three team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm.
2: Just because you got Trevor Lawrence coming in, number one pick. You have Tim Tebow, and then Urban Meyer, who I didn't really like as a hire, um, is still just kind of an interesting person to deal with in his first year in you know in the NFL. I think that that would be interesting. And then you know it's another town; they don't really have the passionate fan base that we know of those you know. Buffalo and Green Bay, but it would just be interesting to go in, you know, and see the fans and how they're reacting to Trevor Lawrence and stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. They're going to be on my list in a little bit, but I will. Uh, I'll say number three for me is actually the Cardinals. I don't want to put them too high because I don't want it to be a homer pick. But when you consider the addition of J.J. Watt and the the trade demand but you know not a big deal probably from Chandler Jones and you know what what's going on at running back Kyler Murray I think would just it would be interesting to get more of a a behind the scenes with him and I've been out of practice a lot (laughs) so even as somebody that has a little bit of behind the scenes with him I think Hard Knocks would do a good job with it with uh, obviously some of the personalities uh, both on offense and defense Buda Baker DJ Humphreys, and I'll sit here and, and list off Cardinals to you I don't I don't think it's the most compelling team, but I I do think in terms of storylines going into camp, they're right up there too. We could maybe get some behind the scenes with Cliff Kingsbury as well. So I'll go Cardinals number three. All right. My number
2: two is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously Super Bowl champion last year. It would be so interesting to finally see Tom Brady. You know, just basically all access footage on Tom Brady. And you've got Gronk, you've got, You know, just personality after personality on that team. They return, like, all of their starters. I think you've got Sue. Sue would be so fun. I think this might be the most fun team to just look at from a Hard Knocks perspective. But unfortunately, obviously, Tom
1: Brady would never do something like Hard Knocks. They could just have Gronk and Sue get, like, their own spinoff show on Cartoon Network, and I would watch that for sure. Um, How about this, too? We have—you've given— two through five. I've given you my three through five. We haven't doubled up once yet of all teams that we would like to see more than the Dallas Cowboys on hard knocks. We're going to double up now. Cause I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I, I was debating between them at one or two, but um, you know, you already gave the reasons Trevor Lawrence. I, I think it's interesting to see a rookie quarterback with those sort of expectations to see the behind the scenes there. I thought that was good with the chargers last year and Herbert didn't have the expectations coming in that Trevor Lawrence does. But you got an offense in transition where James Robinson was a monster last year. He was fifth in the NFL in rushing, and he's now the backup to Travis Etienne. They've got weapons in the in the receiving game. They've got a, just a, a completely depleted defense. Now you've got the C.J. Henderson storyline where he might be on the move. Number nine overall pick in, in last year's draft, and. The Urban Meyer thing, I'm not the world's biggest Urban Meyer fan, but that would be some fun television to see either if he knows what he's doing or if he's completely in over his head at the NFL level. I think that team, just in terms of entertainment value. I'm not this is not. Hey, Jacksonville is going to be good. It's not that at all. It's who's going to be the most entertaining on the show. I think Jacksonville, honestly, you can make case for them at number one. But I have them at two.
2: All right. My number one uh, is a bit of a cheat here because I would not have said this. You know, last week at this time, but the New York Giants are my number one choice (laughs) because that fight and a player retiring might be the greatest moment in Hard Knocks history. (laughs) And the fact that they had to run like they were eight year old football players playing flag like that is the that would have been amazing and hilarious and, you know. I just and then there's there is the storyline of Saquon coming back so that would have been kind of interesting too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start to look at the the teams I had that didn't quite make my list. Miami was certainly one, the Giants, uh the Steelers, I thought would have been a good one, the Rams, but we just saw them last year. Chicago, I had Washington, uh Green Bay, I mean, there's a ton. My number 1's actually going to be San Francisco because I'm fascinated by how they're going to handle this quarterback situation when you have a team that absolutely could win the Super Bowl. They're not my pick, but they are built to win the Super Bowl now, and yet you may have a rookie quarterback come in and take over in what, like week two or week three? You've got a bunch of injured players coming back from last year. I think that there's that's always a a compelling storyline for Hard Knocks as well. I mean, I have to think Jimmy Garoppolo is not real happy with his team, but he might be the starter on a team that could contend for the Super Bowl. George Kittle is entertaining. I'm not a Niners fan by any means. Um, <laughs> I don't like the Niners really, but uh, but I think they'd be a great they'd be a great. Uh, great team for this particular season I'm surprised really they've never been on it before. Kittle would be my favorite yeah that's Part the thing that. right you get into hard knocks no matter who, which team it is and then you're kind of a fan of that team for five weeks before the season starts
2: the Browns season was the best it was <laughs> Devin could and in his like uh what, rock collection, uh, right? I forgot about that. Rocks. Yeah. Then yes. he got cut never heard from him again.
1: Yeah, that's his true. His story with his dad, too. I loved that. That, that was, was great. That was good. Every, honestly, every season's been good, and this one will be, too, but uh, but those are basically what we came up with, nine teams between the two of us that uh, that might have had more compelling storylines than just going with the team with the star on the helmet. All right, we'll come back. Our number two of the show begins with the reload. Next, it's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload.
1: Hour number two live from the Occhin Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. We'll start with the Rundown Reload Cardinals preseason beginning this Friday. At home against the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, you can hear all the action right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Zayven Collins was asked today, what are you most excited about? His first NFL game. Yes, it's preseason, but still his first NFL game.
9: You know, getting to go full go once again. If you think about it for rookies, it's been a long process. You know, our last game was in December. We didn't do anything in the spring, and you've been busy since then dealing with NFL phone calls, NFL, you know, all the pro day combine stuff. You get drafted, and then you're thrown, boom, immediately into learning something new. So finally to get back on that, um, what I call the football schedule, which how it's been the last four years and get back into it now feels good
1: all right so that is coming up on friday i got one more here from uh zayvon collins because i just have to hear this clip i haven't heard it yet uh, this is isaiah simmons called him a weirdo last week so i mean those are your two starting inside linebackers how did zayvon respond
9: i think he first described it to me as being a square whatever that means so that's what he described that as so uh um, yeah, he said my interviews. I was like, yeah, that was draft night. Of course, you guys all saw that. That wasn't a proud moment either. But um, no me and they're good friends. We have dinners all the time together. We hang out as much as we can when we can. Uh, we're uh, next to each other all the time in meeting rooms, film rooms, um, especially now we're with the team, twenty four seven, have lunch, breakfast, dinner together all the time, and even the weekends we're always together. So we're, we're pretty good friends.
1: So that's not really a position battle since they've made it pretty clear they want Collins and Isaiah Simmons to start. But still, that's uh, Collins is one of the guys to watch because uh, depending on who you talk to, he's playing the most important role on that defense, and he's doing it as a rookie. All right, Jesse's going to run us through the reload here.
2: All right, Luke. So uh, the Cardinals are also going to add a sports book to. State Farm Stadium. What do you think about that?
1: They're the first NFL team to do it. This is obviously happening all over the state. What the Suns have it, TPC Scottsdale has one or they're going to have one too. Uh, They're going to be popping up all over the place. This is going to get crazy just in the sense that something that seemed so I don't want to say unlikely because I think a lot of people have seen this coming for the last couple years but it's so different than what we had two years ago three years ago, where, you know, if you talked about betting on a game, it was like, you know, I mean, especially in the NFL, a lot of people do it. I don't know why, because the NFL is so unpredictable, but a lot of people like to give their money away on the NFL. I know a lot of people that do. Uh, But, you know, two years ago, it was like unheard of that you'd be able to do it unless you were in Vegas or finding some shady way to do it. Now it's like, yeah, I'll just go downstairs and bet on the game. The only concern I have, and people should be able to do whatever they want with their money, The only concern I have is if they allow you to bet on the game that's right in front of you. You know what I mean? Just I wonder what that does for a crowd, you know, where you have some fans that were kind of neutral anyway, and they bet on the other team because they think that gives them a better chance to win. So then they're cheering for the other team, even though they don't dislike the home team like. I like my crowd to be Cardinals fans, or if there's Seahawks fans there, then you know those two fans arguing. Not just neutral fans who happen to randomly bet on the Seahawks turning on the Cardinals. I don't know how they're going to regulate that, or if they're even going to. But I'm I'm totally fine with this. I come just on, uh,
2: punt inside of the twenty. Yeah, I come mean, on, the,
0: <laughs> prop bet. <laughs> Woo! The most
2: random yeah.
1: things. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That stuff's going to happen. So I just I wonder if they're going to limit it where you can't bet like specifically on the Cardinals there. I don't know. I've heard rumors of that with some of the other ones, but uh, we'll see. Either way, it's going to be so different than than what we had up until now. All right.
2: Our second story, Suns Summer League, about to start their second game. We had a big performance from Jalen Smith yesterday, double-double, in his Summer League debut.
1: I would be watching the start of the, uh, the game against Utah tonight, but for some reason they have overtime in these games in Orlando yeah, of why, why is there <laughs> overtime in NBA <laughs> have,
2: Summer League? have gone
1: to overtime right now. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I like about this year's Summer Suns is they are not the highlight of the season. Whereas in years past, it was like, all right, let's all get in on Jalen Lequeux because he's going to save this team. Like Nothing against Jalen Lequeux, but your Summer League team is supposed to be, hey, let's see how Jalen Smith does. He might carve out ten to fifteen minutes on the bench this year, and and give this team that almost won a title last year a nice jolt. That's what this is about. I mean, you can very clearly hone in on Jalen Smith. We'll watch the other players certainly too, but uh, but, but Jalen Smith is, is definitely the guy you're watching. But the Suns aren't asking. Like, it's not if Jalen Smith doesn't look great in summer league, the actual season is ruined. We don't have that. And we don't have to convince ourselves, hey, Jalen Smith's going to save this team. It's Jalen Smith might be able to provide a boost, help this this young core develop even more versatility. And so you have something to watch. I don't know what you're going to have to watch next year in Summer League. In theory, it's going to be a bunch of guys that don't play for the Suns. But whatever, that's next year's problem. Um, But you have something to watch. But it's also, it's not the end of the world for the actual team if the Summer League team isn't good. And like I said, at least this isn't the highlight because for a lot of times there, it was like, I'd rather watch Summer League and go to Vegas than watch the Suns in March.
2: The amount of people at this game is astounding
1: for Summer League. People like going to Vegas.
2: Yeah, it's just got to be the Vegas thing. All right, the number three story here is ASU has put two more football assistants on paid leave. That would be or administratively, that would be um, defensive backs coach Chris Hawkins and wide receivers coach Pernis Gill two guys very involved in the recruiting at Arizona State.
1: Yeah, not great. Uh this is a, a season that we should all be looking forward to and, and you still can, but it just it has it's got that cloud hanging over it. You know, for me, if you listen to the show the last couple years, 2 years ago in, in the 2019 season where the Sun Devils Got off to a pretty good start. They were five and one. They had that win over Michigan State. They were going to that Utah game. They were they were five and one. Even back then, my whole focus was on the 2020 season because that's the year where you have Jaden Daniels with some experience. You've got Merlin Robertson and 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 more experience on that young but talented defense. 2019 was fine. You go eight and five. Okay, whatever. You beat Florida State in the uh, in the the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. But uh, but obviously, last season was cut way short. So that was a huge disappointment for reasons that didn't even really take place on the field. The USC game was frustrating, but even if they won that, they would have gone three and one instead of two and two. But uh, but now this season, like everything from last season, you kind of if you're a Sun Devil fan, you were like, OK, we'll just roll this over to twenty twenty one. You're still going to have Jaden Daniels. That backfield looks really good. You've got some other weapons on offense. The defense could be the it has the upside to be the best in the Pac-12. You got to put it together. That stuff's all true, but now there's just that cloud hanging over it, and the more coaches that go on paid administrative leave, that's that's never a good sign. The
2: number four story is the Olympics. Um, we had the United States winning the most gold medals. They passed China yesterday at the last second, basically, with the amount of gold medals. And uh, Diana Taurasi and uh, Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins-Smith were part of the women's team that won on Saturday for basketball. And on Friday with men's basketball, Devin Booker was part of that gold medal. So big representation from the Phoenix sports teams.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool to see that. You always have Diana Taurasi there for the women's team. She's got five gold medals now, so that's a, that's, that's a, that's a constant in the Olympics. But um, cool to see the Mercury have three players there. Cool to see the Suns have Devin Booker there and then also sign JaVale McGee while he was there. And look, McGee, McGee didn't play uh, that big of a role. But we talked about this a lot last week when I was in on Bickley and Murata it's it's one thing for Devin Booker to go there and to be on... It's not a dream team, I wouldn't say anymore, but it's it's a it's a pretty loaded team. It'd be one thing for him to go there and get that experience and play, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night and be on this team, and that's cool. It's another thing where he goes there and he's a major reason they won the gold medal. I know in the actual gold medal game, he didn't have, like, an amazing stat line. Actually got into a little bit of foul trouble against France. but uh, But for him to go... And and be such a big part of that to get to that point, like him and Drew Holiday stepped in right off the plane basically. And if they didn't, I don't know if the U.S. would have would have won that gold medal, would have had a hard time with Australia even. And uh, but Booker and Drew Holiday were huge parts of it. Obviously, Kevin Durant leading the way, and they got some help from other guys. But uh, just a, a cool story for Valley sports fans because you get to see Booker get more recognition. But also, he wasn't just a cheerleader on the bench. He did a lot of different things that we don't even necessarily see him called on to do with the Suns. All right, Luke, our final story of the
2: reload is the D-backs. They got one. They won on Friday against the Padres and then lost twice. And they released Josh Reddick today. Woo.
1: I know that last one hurts you. I know you're you're a big Josh Reddick I'm fan. I'm a huge Josh Reddick fan. He made me so happy this year. <laughs> oh, woo. I was uh I was standing next to you when they signed him originally and you were possibly more excited than Josh Reddick was at the time. Probably. But uh but yeah, he's um they have let him go. So the D backs get one out of two, uh three rather, like you said, against San Diego over the weekend. Off tonight they will start a series in San Francisco tomorrow. Zach Gallen against Alex Wood. It's just a two game series. Meryl Kelly will face Kevin Gossman, so they get two of San Francisco. It's Francisco's fine. they play pitchers. them like five times next week too. I, th- I think. So this will be. They played San Francisco last week. This will be six out of nine games against San Francisco. They only have them three more times all season. Believe it or not. No. Yeah, I mean that can't be right. They, they've played them thirty-eight times. They're just going to
2: figure out an off day to just play anyway.
1: Just just to catch up. Just like, to
2: catch like up two on old friends. Yeah, on last year's games that they didn't play because it was only a sixty-game
1: season. Yeah, they got to make those up. Uh, that
2: was a, bring back the rosters too.
1: And then they get back to San Diego after uh, here, but against the Padres. So they will at that point have played seven of nine against the Padres. They're in a nice stretch here where they play thirteen games against just the Giants and the Padres. So, sand teams. You yes, you
2: got San Diego, you got San Francisco. All the sand
1: teams. So far, they're uh, they're two and five in this stretch. But I know I-, I give you a lot of credit for keeping it together after they've let uh, Josh Reddick go. I know that that hurt you.
2: You know, I'm just just trying to just trying to. You know, survive. Fight through it, it, man. You're fight tough. Fight through tough.
1: it. All right, we come back. I'm going to get back into Cardinals training camp preseason starting up on Friday. We'll talk to Darren Urban next. It is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to the show, Luke Lipinski. Here with you. We're joined now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line by Arizona Cardinals insider Darren Urban. Darren, thanks for the time tonight. How you doing? Uh, the The first week of uh, officially of preseason now.
4: <laughs> oh, it's been a blast. Uh, no, I mean it's look, it's training camp. It's it's what it is at this point. I mean, they're still a month away from actually playing a regular season game, so there's still a long way to go in this whole thing.
1: I guess let's start at that linebacker position. We heard from Zayvon Collins today, Isaiah Simmons. We talked to Lorenzo Alexander last week, and he was like, look, Simmons didn't play much, but you're kind of not a rookie about midway through your first season either way. So are you concerned at all about the inexperience there, and is there anything that we should be watching for throughout the preseason with a guy like Zayvon Collins?
4: Well, I mean, I think in terms of what you're looking for in the preseason, it would just be a simple case of does it does he and or the defense when he's out there look completely lost I think I think if they're not that's a good step but it it doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to work well in the regular season we all know what we're talking about when it's the preseason whether it's vanilla offenses or lack of main players playing a lot of football I mean I think Zaven Collins will play probably play a lot of the preseason but The guys he's going against are not going to be the guys he sees every snap uh, once we get started. So, look, I I think at this point, are there things to be concerned about with such a young duo? Of course there is, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think what they've been asked to do so far in training camp, I think they've accomplished. I think Isaiah Simmons has looked pretty solid in terms of the things they're asking him to do. Uh, on the practice field, and he does look like a guy who was able to play in a bunch of games last year and is not brand new. And by all accounts, David Collins has been solid so far in terms of the duties that he's been given. So the question is, is what happens when the light, lights come on, and we just don't know that at this point.
1: Well, that was their first-round pick. Rondell Moore's second-round pick, and you always have a couple of these guys that that generate a lot of hype at training camp before the games actually begin for real. But he's been impressive, at least on, on the videos we've seen. You tweeted one out last week. I mean, he, he looks every bit the part of a second-rounder before the, the actual games have started. How much of that hype do you believe is real? Like, how exciting is this guy to watch?
4: Well, I mean, I do. you can see why they like him, and that you can see the things that he might be able to do. But it's funny when you talk about the hype. At one point, I had a fan start talking in one of my mailbags on the, on the website, was asking a question, and, and basically saying like it was fact that, okay, you've got Hopkins and Green, and then your number three receiver is Moore, and then you have Kirk, and that's just not how it's going to be. I mean, I, I think Christian Kirk is your number three, and I don't think there's any chance of that changing. Uh, and then Rondell Moore is going to fit in where he fits in. Now, I think if he does the things they expect him to do, he can be a weapon on the offense, but to think that this guy is going to go out and get 80 catches or all of a sudden be this this gigantic uh, statistical bomb all of a sudden in this offense i don't see that happening not not right away and not with the other guys they have, but I do think he you can see his determination. you can see that he how he would be able to overcome his size with his you know his just his lower body and and the and the way he moves in in space I- inside um there's everything that you see there you got to like about it but how again that translates and and how he deals with teams being ready to stop him uh is a whole different deal
1: talking to Darren Urban Arizona Cardinals insider Darren uh, the guy getting Rondale Moore the ball of course Kyler Murray who was generating MVP buzz in the first half of last season for whatever that's ultimately worth he said something in the offseason that at least caught my attention of when he he was asked about what he needs to be better at this season or where he wants to improve he said, "Leadership is that something that you think we will be able to see during games, or is that more something that will happen just sort of behind the scenes?"
4: I, I think it's tough to really get a good handle on leadership when you're not in in the mix of of who's being led and who's doing leading. I mean, I I think we can make some guesses once in a while by what we see on the field or on the sideline, but ultimately I I think that's a really harsh way to judge it or it's a harsh prism to to look at it through because you don't know the circumstance you don't know what's going on you don't know what's happening or you don't know what's going to happen after the fact you know if he gets in somebody's face and it looks like they're having a fight but they make up five minutes later and the cameras don't manage to catch it I mean that just changes the whole equation so I do think leadership is something that Kyler is continually to work on. His personality is such that I think he's, he fits as a fantastic leader in terms of being driven to want to win games and being a very good football player. I don't think his personality per se is, is a great leader at this point. Mean, he tends to you know, want to do things more on his own, and, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, again, as you grow and mature, you figure out the things that you have to do uh, for the football team. And I, and I think everybody has done that. I mean, even somebody like Larry Fitzgerald, when he first got in this league, he was as far from a leader as you could get. And he learned. He learned over the years what it meant to be a leader in the wide receiver room or to be a captain on the offense. And it, it's more than just performing well. And, uh, you know, you've got to give these guys a chance to, to figure that out.
1: On that offensive line, I mean, it's it's tough to be an offensive line expert unless you played on the offensive line or you're there and, and seeing the ins and outs every day. I think most Cardinals fans are aware Rodney Hudson was a pretty big pickup. But in terms of what he can do for this offense, where do you see him potentially benefiting this team the most?
4: I think ultimately, you know, we can talk about the leadership or whatever, but I, I don't. I wasn't that worried about that line in terms of the leadership. I love the fact that there's a veteran that's with – that's in front of Kyler and not necessarily somebody like Mason Cole, who nothing wrong with it, but he was as relatively inexperienced as Kyler was. And he was trying to learn the position and trying to get better at it. Here now you have Rodney Hudson, who is a, a former pro bowler, who's really good at the position anyways, has a lot of experience and knows what he's doing. And I just think ultimately that to, to be able to anchor that middle um, and, and just play, Really good football, whether it's making sure the protection calls are, are right before the play or, or blocking once the snap is made, I, I think it's a pretty basic, straightforward, that's why Rodney Hudson is, is so good. It's, it's, it's the, With all due respect to Mason Cole, it's, the, it's the, the basic bottom line idea where you took a player and you put a better player in there, a much better player, and that usually translates ultimately on the field.
1: I'm trying to do this whole interview without asking about Larry Fitzgerald because I'm sure everybody is doing that consistently. (laughs) So I'll go back to one of the other receivers you mentioned, Christian Kirk. And, you know, he hasn't been bad by any means to start his career, but it seems like they still are expecting more from him. If he doesn't have a breakout year this year, I mean, is it possible this would be his last year with the Cardinals?
4: Well, I mean, it's his last year of his contract, and he'll be a free agent. And, yeah, I mean, once you get to this point – you know the team is going to have to make a decision. do we want to keep him around, or do we move on to somebody else and i look, I love Christian. I think he's good in the locker room. I think he's talented, and I think he's been able to perform when he's out there. but you're right, I think they expect more and and those are the decisions that have to be made when you talk about giving a guy another contract. So I think we'll have to see it's a big year for him but but i could i mean I'll be honest, Luke, I could go down this roster and there's a ton of guys who are in the uh, who will be free agents after this season that have a lot on the line. It's kind of where we are in the NFL, and kind of way how Steve Kime has been operated. But you know, Kirk is on the last year of his deal. Chase Edmonds is on the last year of his deal. There's there's multiple guys that have signed one year contracts. I mean, it's just there's there's a lot for everybody, and the fact that it's dovetailing with this idea that it's it feels like. Whether you ask coaches or players, especially, or just the general vibe that this is kind of a playoffs or bust kind of season, uh, it kind of all dovetails like that.
1: You can find his stuff on ArizonaCardinals.com. Darren Urban, always great to talk to you, man. Thanks for the time tonight. Enjoy the rest of, uh, of camp and the preseason, all right? Thanks, Luke. Thanks a lot. That's Darren Urban joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sportsline. Coulter Cadillac Tempe. Experience the difference at Coulter Cadillac Tempe. .com. When we come back, we will get back into the Phoenix Suns and their Summer League game last night, and they've already got one uh, set for tonight as well. It is The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: All right, they are just getting started from Vegas, Suns and Jazz. Suns going with the same starting lineup from last night in this one. It is 0-0. They pushed the start back uh, because Golden State and Orlando felt the need to go to overtime in a summer league game. Suns uh, lost last night, 73-72, but the story, of course, was Jalen Smith and his teammates on the NBA team there to support him. He was asked about it afterwards.
9: Uh, it was fun, you know, pretty much. Everybody knows, like, Phoenix, uh, the Suns organization is like one big family, and they pretty much told us that they was all coming out here to support me and Ty and the rest of the team. But, uh, pretty much it was fun because, of, like, obviously me and Ty watched them all year, clapping them on, on the bench, and it <laughs> right. you know, for us. It, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, Jalen Smith went out there, had the double-double last night against the uh, Lakers, and we talked about it earlier, but, like, Chris Paul was there, James Jones was there, Devin Booker was there, among others. Booker in particular it's going to be a big deal when Devin Booker's there. It's going to be a big deal when Chris Paul is just hanging out watching Summer League 2, but specifically with Booker because he flew around the planet to get there. So that, that, shows, that shows commitment after playing through the playoffs, getting his nose busted, still playing through the playoffs, getting his nose busted a lot more after that, immediately getting on a plane to go to Tokyo, winning a gold medal with Team USA, and then immediately jumping on a plane, missing the closing ceremonies and all that to come back and watch the Summer Suns against the Lakers in Vegas last night. So that's that family atmosphere that Jalen Smith is talking about. It's been there. It, I mean, it's been there with this team really since Monty Williams got here. I would say it it became very obvious in the bubble last season before uh, you know before they went out and got Chris Paul and added Jay Crowder and everything. Uh, more from Jalen Smith because he could potentially play. I don't want to say a prominent role, but an important role on the 21-22 Suns, so he was asked what he's, uh, he's looking to improve on individually in the Summer League.
9: Uh, pretty much what I wanted to show tonight was just, just, to, uh, just to get my reps in and pretty much to show that if I'm giving minutes, what I can produce with them and pretty much just play my game. But like, like you said, pretty much we're we just coming off the NBA Finals loss, and that's the main goal is to get back there and do whatever we got to do in the summer just to get, that, get to that point again.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly the guy that all eyes are going to be on with this team mentioned it earlier, you don't, uh, you don't want the summer league to be the height or like the highlight, I guess, of your, uh, of your team's year. <laughs> you'd like to, you'd like to have the actual regular season and playoffs and, and, you know, maybe even NBA finals be the highlight. And that certainly was the case for the suns, but you know, there's, there's some importance to these, not the results, but just to the actual performance of, of mainly Jalen Smith. Um, James Jones was asked what he's expecting from his top 10 pick from last year's draft. To compete and play hard. This is the NBA. Um, this, this,
6: this is a league filled with the best players in the world. And uh, the only way um, you get opportunities is you have to compete and earn it. And you know, for him, he stepped on the court uh, with a team that was primed uh, for playoff basketball. We had a deep run. And uh, as a rookie, um, his learning curve was really, really steep. But we're excited about what he's done so far this summer. And, and I'm just looking at this as an opportunity for him to play. He didn't have Summer League last year. He didn't play much with us last year. So now he gets a chance to show everyone uh, how much work he's put in.
1: Yeah, so you've got that storyline certainly in Summer League. You also have the re-signing of Chris Paul, the re-signing of Cameron Payne. It's been a busy offseason. I mean, the offseason only started, what, like two weeks ago? But uh, but it's been a busy offseason for the Suns, and we got to hear from James Jones last night what it means to be able to bring Chris Paul back. I mean, our offseason consisted of getting Chris back and then figuring the rest out after that. Um, you know, what he, he's
6: meant to this franchise uh, and what he's meant to this team in the last six to nine months
1: is immeasurable. So we're excited to have him back in the fold and looking forward to continuing our progress this season. I tell you what, that is refreshingly simple. What did your offseason look like? Okay, well, it meant let's get Chris Paul signed, and then everything else happens after that. That's what every Suns fan, everybody that watched this team, that's we all had the same thought, right? I like that James Jones doesn't overcomplicate things or try to be like, he probably is the smartest guy in the room when it comes to basketball 99.9% of the time, but he doesn't have to go out of his way to to go over the top and try to show that he's the smartest guy. and Oh, let's try something complicated, and we're going to mix things up this year, and, and none of that. Like, yeah, okay, he's, he's his last two drafts, not this one with the trade for uh, Landry Shamit, but the, the draft of Jalen Smith and the drafting and moving around of, of Cam Johnson, those were a little unorthodox, but I, mean, I think we would agree the Cam Johnson one's working out. There's still upside there, and, and the jury's still out on Jalen Smith, but the other stuff in terms of, hey, you can get Chris Paul last year and you have to trade a fan favorite in Kelly Oubre, and you've, you know, you've got to commit to a player that's uh, at 36. Yeah, you do it because it's the smart move. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame, and he was really good the previous year. What's your priority this offseason? Bring back Chris Paul. <laughs> like, no, no, no mincing words, no going out and trying to make things more complicated than they have to be. You, uh, you just go out there and do what you need to do because you want to run it back with this team, you almost just won the NBA title a couple weeks ago. He was also asked about the cast that Chris Paul was wearing in the crowd last night. I mean, when you get old, man, things start
10: hurting,
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. and sometimes
6: Father uh, Time, you can't, you can't heal. You go and clean it up. So, I mean, for Chris, it was just something minor. Okay, um, he'll be ready um, in a couple weeks to get back out on the court with these guys as we start to to, to try to get back after this short offseason.
1: Now, of course, one of the uh, the second priorities this offseason was bringing Cameron Payne back. Campaign was there. He was asked what it means to be able to resign with the team that really resurrected his NBA career. Uh, it it, it means a lot. Um, just because, man. Like from the beginning, Mike gave me that opportunity,
6: and it's like embraced me. Uh, when we got to Phoenix, we had a great season, and
1: like the fans kind of rallied around me. And uh, I just, I, I, I had to say, I'm a Valley boy, so I had to come back. And look, that's a good enough reason. You want to be a Valley boy, so you, you re-sign with the team. I, campaign got less money than I expected him to get this offseason. But the logic of, of coming back to a team that's going to challenge for a title, whether they win it or not, they're at least contenders. Uh, to come back and and you know your role on that team, and you know it's a fairly prominent one. You're in the same draft class as Devin Booker, so it's not like his career's over when this, this uh, upcoming contract he just signed ends, so he might still have a chance for a big payday. And he might, might, might be the Suns point guard of the future. We don't know that yet. Uh, but that certainly wasn't a thought that people were having about him 12 months ago when he was just a guy they were bringing to the bubble. So I, I, I'm i all in on on the decision campaign made to come back here, even if it cost him a little bit of money uh, in, in the present. All right, Jesse. We're gonna play a game here. You ready? I have um I have a bunch of Byron Murphy audio, but for some reason, the description of the audio didn't load. So I'm just gonna play random Byron Murphy clips, and we can react to them. Okay. <laughs> I have the time of each one, but I don't know what he's talking about. Great. Uh, we, he he spoke today. Uh, I think it's actually from Burns and Gambo, isn't it? We'll find out. Here we go. Here's 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 clip one.
10: Oh, he's good. He's good to go. Yes, sir. He's ready. <laughs> okay. let, Malcolm let, just funny, like I said.
7: Yeah, we were you know, <laughs> a little worried when we saw that. You know, with him not,
1: you go first team against first team, he wasn't out there. So he's good to go.
10: Oh, yeah, he's good to go.
1: All right, so that is from Burns and Gambo this afternoon. They were talking about Malcolm Butler, who wasn't uh, on the field a ton Today, so glad
2: glad glad there was a Malcolm in there. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise we would have not known who that was, unless Uh, you were at practice. Which I were you at practice today? I
1: wasn't at practice today, but but I knew about the Malcolm Butler stuff, so I could have pieced that one together. Here, this this is going to be. We should just play this game every night on the show. Just context clues. Here's another one. Byron, (laughs) (laughs) you got to live on the edge, Jesse. This is uh, this is Byron Murphy again with Burns and Gambo.
10: Yes, sir. Definitely uh, looking forward to this season. You know, just being a better player, better person. Uh, overall and like i said i'm trying to carry that last year on to uh, my shoulder and just be better every single day so this year i'm just taking it day by day and trying to get better every single day
1: well the day by day that's already permeated there are a lot of cliches there yeah that was (laughs) that's some some audio we probably wouldn't have played (laughs) That, that could have been from from whenever um but here's more from byron murphy and and look this guy's gonna play a huge role on this team like We all got a scare today when Malcolm Butler wasn't out there for a little bit. And it's like, okay, well, if Malcolm Butler's not out there, they're screwed. Uh, but same with Byron Murphy. you got to have him out there. When, when people say the Cardinals' secondary is thin, it's not really that the safety position is thin. It's more that the corner position is thin. And when they say it's thin, that's more so behind Malcolm Butler and Byron Murphy, and Robert Alford if he's healthy, but uh, here's more from, from Murphy.
10: i would never, you know, take anything for granted, so, you know, I'm just just very thankful that I was being able to go out there and play my game. Like they said, it was kind of me being thrown in the fire, but, you know, that's what I came to the league for, and I thought I was ready for it, so once that situation happened, I just know, you know, how to take it on and just do my best, but now that I look back at it, you know, rookie year was, you know, like I said, it was me getting thrown into the fire, I would take it every single day, you know, thankful for it, and now to this day, I'm kind of glad I took that many reps, just now. You know, I can see a lot of stuff pretty much faster. All
1: right, I think I can piece this one together because he's going to be asked to do a lot this season with no Patrick Peterson. And his rookie year, he was asked to do a lot at the start because Patrick Peterson was suspended. I like this. This is this is translating random audio. I think we got time for one more. This this one could be literally about anything. It's at the end of the interview.
10: Just me growing up and being from Arizona, someone I looked up to uh had I had an opportunity to play along and play aside of him but you know he had to do his best for him you know that's my brother to this day it's so always going to be that for life but you know he had to take care of his business and I got to take care of mine so with the separation you know it does kind of feel a little weird but you know that's how things go it's the NFL it's a business so you got to do what's right for him so you know it's time for me to take that step all
1: right that one's easy that's that's Patrick Peterson Patrick Peterson yeah. this is like this is uh this is like Cardinals Jeopardy here we should get Aaron Rodgers in here to to host for a little bit Except he's busy now because he's suddenly back on the Packers. The producer of the show is becoming the host. Yeah, that's odd. All right, we come back. We'll wrap up the show. We'll hear from Stuart Mandel, his thoughts on where things are going in college football, the Pac-12, ASU, everything that's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Rundown with Luke Lipinski 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station Alright, final segment of the show ASU
1: with a couple more assistants, Prentice Gill and Chris Hawkins on paid leave now to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic was on with Doug and Wolf this morning, here's part of that interview The plan has been to talk a lot of Cardinals
11: today as the red and white practice was on Saturday. And we've done a lot of that. And then there was breaking news today that kind of changed our game plan a little bit. And that breaking news is that the number is now up to three wide receiver coach Prentice Gill, defensive backs coach Chris Hawkins, both put on paid administrative leave. So that becomes the second and third assistant coaches for ASU that are now on leave. And uh, whenever there's breaking college football news. It's always good to try to get the preeminent writer of college football to call into the Doug and Wolf show. And Stuart Mandel of The Athletic said, Sure, uh, I'll come on. And uh, first of all, Stuart, how's the family? I haven't talked to you in a while. Everybody good?
12: everybody's good. We're hanging in there. Hope you guys are staying uh, safe and healthy.
11: Absolutely. You know, that's that's always most important. Now, number two, the reason why I wanted to have you on is your tweet that you sent out that I think is pretty strong and powerful. ASU seems to be working from the bottom up. There's two ways people go about this. You know, they either throw people under the bus and wait until they can, uh, they can stop the bleeding and stop right there, or you kind of take a heavy-handed approach and, and fire everybody early and suck up to the NCAA. What do you think is happening at ASU?
12: <clears throat> Seems more like the first one. Um, we'll see how this plays out. But the fact that those three assistants, and you would say probably the most expendable, right, uh, are are taking the fall first, um, reminds me a little bit of what we've seen with some of the NCAA basketball scandals where assistants were... Uh, fired and in some cases put in jail. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, but the head coach, the successful head coach is protected at all costs. Um, and the interesting thing with Herm Edwards is, is he, you know, he's kind of somewhere in between. He's not Jeremy Pruitt, the Tennessee coach, who I think everybody there was, was fine getting fired last year. um, a investigation, but he's not Bill self either. Uh-huh. Um, so what length is the school willing to go to, to protect him? They're, they're, you know, certainly, everybody they are very excited about this coming season, high expectations for this season. Are they going to try to stick with him and stick with Antonio Pierce and try to have a successful season? Or if they feel like it's inevitable that they're going to eventually have to take the fall, too, do you just go ahead and kind of rip off the Band-Aid?
5: Yeah, that is a question right there, Stuart. How, how serious do you think these allegations are to the program?
12: I think in normal times, people would say okay they hosted you know recruits during a dead period what's the big deal but the response across the sport has been so uh, many people aghast that they had the audacity to do this during covid when all across the country schools were going to great lengths to keep you know to maintain a bubble basically as much as you can in college sports you can't it's not the nba bubble but if you try to keep a a limit on who's coming in and out of your building, you know, everybody was trying to do that. Everybody knows Arizona state had a big COVID outbreak last year, one of the worst in the country. And so the idea that they were bringing in people from the outside when they shouldn't have, and in some cases, allegedly uh, paying for those people to come to those recruits and their families to come visit has really horrified a lot of people. And I think it's probably horrified the NCAA. And as we know, NCAA justice can be very arbitrary from one case to the next. There's no consistency I think that if the evidence is as strong as our reporting and reporting of others has indicated in terms of the Um, the dossier that kind of magically arrived on their desk, that they're going to take a pretty hard-line stance against this.
11: We're talking to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. You can follow him at SL Mandel, And uh, he's right when he says the reporting that The Athletic has done on it. They've been all over it. U of A fans are going to be mad at me because they're going to think, hey, don't bring us into this. But I do feel like this is important. In the old days of NCAA violations, it used to be, you know, really quick and swift, suck up to the NCAA fast name your own sanctions, self-imposed, and then hope they don't drop a further hammer. And then KU and U of A arrived and and went into complete denial of everything that happened basketball-wise, fought it for a long time, and still haven't faced the hammer as of yet, which I don't know what to do anymore when it comes to these investigations. Do you think it's in ASU's best interest to fight it like crazy and, and try to deny everything or swallow hard and swallow your crap now and get it over with?
12: Well, people aren't sure whether the NCAA is still going to exist a year from now, so (laughs) (laughs) I can't really say, like, oh, you should beg for mercy from them. It's just such a, uh, you know, and that's part of why these schools feel they can do this. There's no respect for NCAA and NCAA enforcement at this point. I think the turning point was actually the UNC uh, academic fraud, which was just the most blatant case you could probably have. 18 years of players signing up for fake classes and being steered to these classes that didn't exist and they had all the evidence and the school lawyered its way out of it and they weren't punished at all and i think when people around the sport saw that they said well why why should we just kind of sit back and, and let them give us sanctions we should do the same thing again i just say it's a question of how important is Herm Edwards to Arizona State? We know how important Bill Self is to Kansas. We know how important Sean Miller was to Arizona until he stopped winning as much. Um, how important is Herm Edwards to Arizona State? I know it's very important to Ray Anderson, who really went out on a limb in hiring him in the first place. Um, you know that's that's for their leaders to decide.
5: Hmm. Stewart, who do you think is going to be the governing body of college football in three years? Oh. <laughs> Uh, what do you think I mean, I was
12: do? kidding before. It's still going to be the NCA, but the NCA themselves, Mark Emmert himself, is calling a constitutional convention, and I just love that they're calling it that um, in November for them to rewrite their bylaws and basically de-emphasize the NCA and try to try to make this more of a to, to li- have more of the major policies be decided at the school and conference level, and that's a direct response to the Supreme Court in the Alston case, coming out and just hammering the NCAA's entire model. So I, I don't think the NCAA is going away, um, but I, I think it's going to look a lot different a couple years from now.
11: Boy, that makes a, a lot of sense. It, it, as, as, a, as someone who has been covering college sports as long as you have but is not a native Arizonan, and so you can look at this objectively – is this a big deal? Because for me, I'm still in shock that David Shaw spoke on the record. I, I've never heard of any investigation into any college athletics team where coaches are actually going on the record to talk about a situation at another school. Is this a big deal for ASU?
12: Yeah, that's, that's exactly the same observation I had when, the, when this stuff started breaking. Everybody had no, no, you know, usually there's this code of silence among people around the rest of the, the sport that people like David Shaw um, rival athletic directors went on the record with their disapproval before, you know, long before we even know whether the NCAA is going to be able to um, confirm all of this. Um, we've been told that, you know, there's a lot of disgruntled former staffers there who are lining up to talk to the NCAA. Usually you you keep your mouth shut. So you know, it speaks to what I said earlier. I just think um, this is, this did not happen in a vacuum. These are not um, run-of-the-mill recruiting violations. It was breaking this dead period that the whole sport had to observe for uh, 15 months in, in the name of, of health and safety. And violating that the way they are alleged to have done is what's turned this into such a big deal.
1: it's Stuart Mandel of The Athletic on with Doug and Wolf this morning. Again, full interviews are always up on ArizonaSports.com. It's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Darren Urban for joining us. Thanks to Jesse Morrison behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.